Well, welcome to Prophecy Focus Global Update. I'm Pastor Rich from Union Grove Baptist Church, and you fine gentlemen are? Josh Steele from Union Grove Baptist Church. All right. Let's get this turned on. There we go. All right. So we're coming to you from Union Grove Baptist Church tonight. And uh, as always, if you're interested in sending a text for a question, a comment, uh, feel free to do so. Numbers should be up on your screen right now, 414-788-6010. It's 7 o'clock Central right now, and we'll be basically here for one hour from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And if you'd like to send a question, comment after the 8 o'clock, uh, we definitely will answer. That number is, and I have no problem saying it because I've been doing this for years, uh, is my personal cell number, so you say, do you always put your personal cell out there? What about you? Do you let people know publicly? Yeah, yeah if they would want it, I would give it to them. Yeah. I've actually, and I've told the folks this before, uh, when I was in, uh, I was on TV almost every week with the sheriff's office, and I put it out there, and nobody has yet to abuse it, so it's, it's not a challenge, <laughs> but we'll see. I do know how to block numbers, maybe, by the way. Maybe now it is to. a challenge. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Thank you. I will uh, dream about it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start out with, and uh, we have a, uh, our youth group is up here tonight because the youth, youth uh, leader's car broke down. It's a whopping five degrees in Union Grove, Wisconsin tonight, so it's a bit chilly. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what we're going to be looking at. The first thing is Bitcoin for potential big dollar earners. This is where we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers tonight, believe it or not. Wow. Well, not really, but kind of. Kind of. In a new story. But then we're going to look at the uh, Texas uh, synagogue issue, which has been all over the news the last couple of weeks. We're going to look at a story that uh, one of our folks sent to me about airlifting Jews from Ukraine. I find this incredibly interesting. Uh, then we're going to get into the Metaverse supercomputer. Uh, basically, Mr. Zuckerberg is coming up with a new design that you'll be interested in, especially from a prophetic scenario. Uh, we'll look at the stock market reaction to possible war, what's taking place and how that's playing into the world economy, which we like to talk about. Uh, did you know that you are under constant surveillance? And we'll look at a story by Google. Uh, yeah, it's kind of wow. creepy. It is creepy. Then we'll look about if we still have time, cyber attacks versus deadly force. Cyber attacks versus deadly force. That's redundant. I think we'll only do one of those. Okay. All right. And uh, then if we still have time, we'll get into uh, a little Bible study about Malachi. But, uh, boy, we got so much tonight. Uh, the news is uh, just jumping with good things. All right, the first one uh, that we're going to look at, and Josh, we pretty much have it on the screen here. Okay. Why don't you take it away and let's look right. a little bit about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Bitcoin. Bitcoin fluctuation. Uh, celebrities taking salaries in Bitcoin may have taken a large pay cut. In the months preceding, celebrities and politicians, including the likes of NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers and New York City Mayor Eric Adams, announced they would take their salaries in Bitcoin. Today, these individuals face what could amount to around a 50% loss. The value of Bitcoin remained below 33,000 during Asian market hours today. 
All right, so we've got a wee bit more that I want to get into here. Uh, let's see, where do we go? Oops, Bitcoin. Way back on page eight. All right, uh, I'm going to have you, if you don't mind, I got a couple more paragraphs here. And this is, let, let me explain something before we move ahead with this. This is an amazing thing now. Now we have people that have a good deal of money. And yes, Aaron Rodgers has a good deal of money, millions and millions of dollars that he makes. So then that's not the issue. Aaron Rodgers is not the issue. What the issue is, is all of a sudden we have these major, major players that are looking at joining a global currency. Now, this is called Prophecy Focus Global Update. And what we're, uh, again, it's not about the individual. It just happens to be we're in Wisconsin, and it's cool to say Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, even though we lost, uh, not so good, man, we'll forget that. But uh, despite that little issue, why all of a sudden are these major players with millions and millions of dollars jumping on the electronic currency, if you will, digital currency, the Bitcoin? So uh, I'm going to have Josh go through two paragraphs here just to kind of explain this. To most of us, this is fairly new things. We've touched on it on a couple previous uh, uh, reviews, if you will, but this thing is really starting to come to the forefront, and quite frankly, the danger of global currency as it currently exists. All right. Just over two months ago, Bitcoin saw its value reach a peak of nearly 69000 In the months preceding celebrities and politicians, including likes of NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers and New York City Mayor Eric Adams, announced they would take their salaries in Bitcoin. Today, these individuals face what could amount to around 50% loss. The value remained below 33,000 during Asian market hours today. Other prominent cryptocurrencies, such as Ethereum, have seen their value decline too. Volatility within the crypto market has been an ongoing concern for investors. While regulation on cryptocurrencies is widely expected, there is as yet no regulatory framework. Uh, with more companies moving to accept cryptocurrency salary offerings, questions have been raised about the long-term viability of the payment method and if the payment is pegged to a number of Bitcoin or dollar equivalent. Economist Lani Mahanta of the Brookings Institution told Newsweek that those who are, that those who are maybe not planning to hold the currency for long or are not as flexible as a wealthy celebrity or politician may be more impacted by the dip. Mahanta says that uh, when someone elects to be paid in Bitcoin, they're betting on receiving some kind of financial returns as the value grows. But cryptocurrency is not necessarily being guided by company objectives and comes with a greater number of unknowns. What happens now? Uh, Bitcoin may make sense as a form of payment for those who are working abroad and want to avoid foreign transaction fees, Mahanta said while stressing that employees understand the tax implications as they delve into cryptocurrency salary payments. This may all change as regulation becomes more of a real possibility. All right, so here's the question just to see who's watching this stuff. How many of you out there, everybody, if you have seen this story about the, the celebrities and the Bitcoin, raise your hand. How many? small fraction, which is kind of what I expected. Okay, so some. All right, so this is, why, why are we doing this? The reason we're, we're we can't have this. Okay, the reason why uh, we're doing this is, is basically to inform you. These are the things that are happening. These are the things that are steadying the stage for 
Bible prophecy to come true with a one world economy. All right, so let's do a little quiz here, one question quiz. Okay. If I want to know from the scriptures where to read about the one world economy, where do we go? Revelation, what chapter? Come on. I heard 13. You heard 13. Well, 13 is the lucky number for tonight. <laughs> uh, so it actually is Revelation chapter 13, which discusses three things that will become part of the one world global system. One being the economy. What are the other two things that will be part of the one world system? One world economy, one world government, government one world religion. religion. Hey, we're making progress, brother. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Excellent. All right, so these things, and it's like it's crazy what's taking place, but right underneath our nose, this, I mean, the digital currency is definitely going to be what's going to be coming in. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. Paper dollar is going to go away. I drove up, and don't tell them where I eat. It's never a good place because <laughs> I, I don't eat very well. Um, bottom line is I pull up to... Um, a fast food Chinese place, actually, which mm -hmm. I'm not going to say the name publicly, but I love <laughs> their food. Not as much as Whoppers, but close. Okay. And uh, I pull up to the window, and what does it say on the window at the drive-thru? No what? No, no cash. cash. All right? Uh, don't use cash. If you don't have a credit card, sorry, go away. We're not, we're not going to serve you. Wow. All right, so that's, that's the, the trend that's starting up. Don't, don't bring me your dirty, filthy money. Literally, that's all yeah. corroded and full of germs. Um, I, I, I guess my credit card isn't dirty. No, never. They don't know where that thing's been. I don't, you know, who knows? But it's the same concept, right? Uh, but what happens when you put your hand in front of a scanner or you take your, your phone and put it in front of a scanner, which a lot of you with Apple Pay do, and, uh, or a chip in your head and they just put the scanner there, is that a little more sanitary than dirty cash? Yeah, no that, contact. Right. Well, that's the sales pitches, and that's exactly where it's going to go for that one world economy, one world government, and one world religion. I thought that was a fascinating story. Yeah, it was. Really interesting. Nobody else did, but I loved it. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's go to uh, number two tonight. And let's get out of the Bitcoin. Let's talk about uh, something that's been very much in the news and is still in the news regarding the uh, synagogue that was attacked in Texas. So, Josh, this is all yours. All right. So, calm, collected synagogue rabbi wowed FBI through 10-hour Texas hostage crisis. Dallas police chaplain says law enforcement impressed by Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker's composure during Colleyville attack. Notes how faith leaders immediately sprang into action. All right, so here's a picture. Um, again, when we're looking at a hostage situation, which was taking place here, eh, that's very tense. People can really go crazy, if you will, in a yeah. situation like this. But this guy gets a lot of credit because we're going to actually have a fairly good ending here with uh, the hostages. But what's, that's not really the issue here. We're not talking about how great this guy was. What we're talking about is another anti-Semitic move uh, people attacking, if you will, and we'll find out who the attacker was. Show of hands. How many know who this attacker is? You've read the stories. All right, so a little bit more than Bitcoin. Yep. Um, but let's take a look at this. And 
I think you're going to find a commonality here that you already probably know if you haven't even looked at the story. All right. Hit it, brother. Yes, the Colleyville Synagogue attack was specifically targeting Jews. What more must it take for a crime to be viewed as specifically related to the Jewish community? Soon after the FBI freed four hostages held by a gunman named Malik Fasal Akram for 11 hours at Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville, Texas on Saturday, Matthew DeSarno, the special agent in charge of the FBI Dallas field office, made a truly baffling statement. Quote, we do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, but we are continuing to work to find the motive. Thank you. Uh, for those watching, the comment was, give me a break. And it's like, folks, okay. One of the things that people that are in front of the camera, especially when it comes to political statements, need to learn is don't talk unless you know what you're going to say with some intelligence. To make that statement, now you've got to eventually correct it because it's obviously... Um, how do you say it to church in a nice way, politically correct, without being offensive? I can't, so we'll skip it. Okay. Um, so let's go to the next piece here. The idea that any attack on a synagogue is, quote, not specifically related to the Jewish community is absurd enough. There's the that word. Was well That's said. the word you're looking That's for. That's the word, absurd. Yeah. There you go. Jew right. Jews make up only 2.4% of all American adults and only 0.6% of the population of Texas. It beggars belief in most cases, and in this one in particular, that someone outside the densest Jewish populations in America would have randomly stumbled upon a synagogue while looking for people to hold hostage. Add that to the fact that the gunman entered Congregation Beth Israel on a Saturday morning when Shabbat services are held. The timing was clearly intentional. But the specifics of this crime also show a deep current of anti-Semitism running through the, quote, one issue on which the hostage taker was singularly focused. Hang on a second. There's a word in there that I actually had a hard time getting years ago. I'll tell the scenario. So many of you know Sheriff David Clark. I was his number two guy for 15 years, 10 years. And uh, one day he walks in. He had just gotten back from Israel, and uh, he was there on a tour and so forth. And he comes in, and, and, you know, I'm supposed to be the Bible guy, right? He comes in, and he says, yeah, you know, uh, we were doing something on Shabbat. I'm like, what in the world is Shabbat? I mean, I've never heard that word before. How many know what Shabbat is? One, two. A few. I'm feeling better now. <laughs> Sheepishly, they're starting to go up. Mm -hmm. What's another? Do you know what the other word for Shabbat is? Isn't it Sabbath? Yeah, smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh uh, Shabbat simply means Sabbath, so we're talking about, uh, and I, they'll remember now because I'm making a little joke about it here, but, but in all seriousness, here we have the synagogue, it's, it's like coming into a church on Sunday morning when uh, at 9 o'clock when there's 300 cars in the parking lot or whatever at, at any church, yep. and it's like, oh, are they having services? Well, it's no, no joke or no uh, surprise that this was taking place, so there's a very calculated, it, it's amazing. Folks, when, when, you, when you read media, when you're, uh, those of you that, and I know a lot of our young folks, they watch YouTube videos, and uh, that's how they get their news or whatever they're looking for, and a lot of us, uh, I mean, newspapers like has been, nobody touches newspaper hardly, a few of us do, but not many, 
And it's like these things, when they're writing and they're making statements, you wonder why there's a problem with media today. I mean, it's just enough babbling. Next. Well, the, the, the clue was that it was on a Saturday morning. So that, that was a That was, that a, was clue. a clue. Shabbat. Yep. Sabbath. Yep. All right. We've learned a word. Next. Okay. Um, Whoops. Perhaps at first glance, that issue, uh, the release of Afia Sadiqi, is that the correct Close enough. thing? Currently serving an 86-year prison sentence for attempting to murder American troops and FBI agents does not seem to be specifically related to the Jewish community. But Siddiqui was a raving anti-Semite, and that information is readily available. All right, so here's a name. You may or may not know it. So Afia is a terrorist, and she's in prison for 86 years for being a Jewish terrorist. She hates Jewish people. I wonder what religion she's from. Let's find out. Again, no diss on our Muslim friends, but there is a pattern here that we need to see and understand. Next. The gunman said that uh, Siddiqui was his sister, though apparently in ideology and not in the literal sense, and that they would meet in Jana, meaning paradise, after he dies. Siddiqui, nicknamed Lady Al-Qaeda, was born in Pakistan and traveled to the U.S. on a student visa in 1990. She received her Ph.D. in neuroscience from Brandeis University, founded by the Jewish community in 1948. All right, let's park here again. All right, so you see the scenario, right? It's starting to build up. So, by the way, uh, we're in a, a church. We're Christians, correct? Or at least we hopefully all here are Christians, two born-again folks. Do you ever, from a biblical standpoint, look at somebody that maybe goes to this church or another Christian from another place and call uh, uh, another female a sister from a biblical standpoint? Yep. Maybe not often, but it happens. You ever look at, you know, like I'll, I'll say, hey, brother, what yep. are you doing? When I called Josh or someone else my brother that's a male, what am I talking about? Is he literally my brother? No. No, in, but he's my Christ. brother in Christ, right? And uh, uh, that's the same thing here from a Muslim perspective. So here's an individual. He's taking up a reproach for this lady who's in prison, and now he shows up at this synagogue, and it's like uh, game on. All right? Hopefully that makes sense. Next. After Siddiqui was arrested in Afghanistan for her part in plotting al-Qaeda terrorist attacks in the U.S., U.K., and Pakistan, shooting at U.S. Army troops as they detained her, she said the case against her was a Jewish conspiracy. Siddiqui dismissed her legal defense team because she said the lawyers were Jewish. She demanded that the jurors on the trial take DNA tests to make sure they were not Israeli or Zionist in order to, quote, be fair. All right, so do we have somewhat of a bias here? Just a little, all right? <laughs> I won't repeat that one. <laughs> She also wrote a letter to then-President Barack Obama telling him that Jews have always backstabbed everyone who has taken pity on them and made the fatal error of giving them shelter. It is this cruel, ungrateful backstabbing of the Jews that has caused them to be mercilessly expelled from wherever they gain strength. This is why Holocausts keep happening to them repeatedly. If they would only learn to be grateful and change their behavior, Siddiqui wrote. All right, one more. After her conviction, Siddiqui said, this is a verdict coming from Israel and not from America. That's where the anger belongs. 
The likelihood of someone being so passionate about releasing Siddiqui that he would hold people hostage at gunpoint and not know of her widely reported and Wikipedia-listed views about a Jew is slim. All right, obviously written from a somewhat liberal standpoint, even though it's from the Jerusalem Post. I think they're trying to be as judicious in their language as possible. You're seeing it's written by a, a Jewish author. So what, what do we have here? The, the simplicity of this is anti-Semitism is alive and well. Uh, if we went to the Quran and opened it up, and again, and I always, every time we talk about our Muslim friends, I always use the word friends. Why? Uh, because our goal here is not to harm anyone nor to disparage anyone, but uh, if a Muslim person who is uh, opposed to Christianity, is opposed to Judaism, is steeped in, if you will, a religion that we in our vernacular from a biblical standpoint is false, uh, then we have to stand up. But even for this individual, even for Miss Siddiqui, I would wish that at some point in their life they would uh, trust Christ and uh, come come to faith in him. Same thing that she currently would wish upon us to go to Islam, which uh, she can pray all she wants. That's not happening. All right, so uh, always have mercy on these folks. I'd never, ever uh, be a lay down, if you will, and say, sure, uh, do whatever you want, come in here. Uh, propagate your false teachings, propagate a, a false gospel. We can never, ever accept that. Galatians warns us against never accepting a false gospel. In fact, the Apostle Paul used a very, very strong statement against those who preach false gospels. And uh, what did he say? Uh, if anyone doesn't preach the truth, let him be what? Accursed. He says it twice. I mean, it, it's it's pretty tough stuff. So, Bottom line is, let's take a look at a couple of verses here. This will be a, a little bit of a biblical break. Uh, why don't you take us through these verses, Zach? Okay, Zechariah 1, 12 to 18, uh, written in 520 B.C. Uh, then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah with, uh, against which you were angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words, so the angel, so the angel who spoke. Can you hear him out there? Is this working? Okay. There's a guy up here. Okay. All right. And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words. So the angel who spoke with me said to me, "Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts: I am zealous, aggressively possessive, for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal." Okay, uh, verse 15, I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease, for I was a little angry, and they helped, but with evil intent. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy, speaking of the millennial kingdom, my house, or the fourth temple, shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem, again proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom. Testing. I'm off, but I'll be on again. All right. Uh, 
as you go through this passage then, what are, what are we looking at? So we're going to back it up a little bit, just spend a minute or two on this. So here we have the Jewish people. Thank you, sir. A little technical issue there, but we're back on. You're good. <laughs> All right. So the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you were angry 70 years? All right, so if the Jewish people misbehaved, if they didn't do what God asked them to do, did God, did God wage punishment on them? Yes. Well, he waged punishment on them so much that in 586 B.C., which is what this is referring to, the uh, uh, Babylonians came in, they plundered the Jewish people, they plundered the Jewish temple, they took them all captive to Babylon for how long? 70 years, all right? So that was the punishment. So when we move forward then to verse 15, God says, I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. Here's the interesting thing. A nation, Babylon, was used by God to chastise his people. How did God feel about the Babylonian people after that took place? Not so good. In other words, even though they were used and, and allowed by God to take judgment on Israel, Babylon had to suffer for her transgression against God's people. The bottom line here is don't mess with the Jewish people. We're going to look a little bit later if we get to it at Edom, the Edomites. We'll see that in uh, Sunday morning's message, message uh, about Edom and, and the condemnation that they're going to face because of what they did to the Jewish people. So let me ask you a question. Is it ever wise to be against the Jewish people? No. It really isn't. And we just go back to the simplicity of uh, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, first three verses. And you all know this. I will bless those who bless thee. And who's he talking about? The Jewish people, the Hebrew people. I will bless those who bless you. I will do what? I will curse those who curse you. Curse you. God uses pagans, by the way, to fulfill his will. If you don't understand that, and I mean this very seriously, and this is not meant to be a joke, take a look at, at our government right now. And I mean that very seriously. When, when God's people are not doing what God has called us to do, there are consequences. And I believe that's part of what's taking place as we speak, the things that are taking place. Will God use the worldwide global system to accomplish his will? Revelation 13, black and white, there it is. God will use pagan governments to accomplish exactly his prophetic word. Oh, how about when uh, the Jewish people went to Egypt? Were the Egyptians uh, God-fearing people? No. No. Did God use them to uh, tune his people up? Yeah. Absolutely. In 70 A.D., when the Romans came into Israel and plundered the city again and tore down the second temple because the Jewish people weren't doing right, did God use the pagan people to chastise his own? Yeah. Absolutely he did. There's, I mean, it's a pattern uh, that's undeniable. But on the reverse side... Those pagan nations, and it's all throughout Scripture from a prophetic standpoint, you mess with the Jewish people. Even if God allowed it, which he did, there's going to be horrible repercussions. And this is one of those that he's talking about. So therefore, verse 16, the Lord says, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. Has he returned yet in mercy? Absolutely not. 
Has he in the last 2,000 years returned to Jerusalem in mercy? Absolutely not. Is God going to fulfill his word and return to Jerusalem in mercy? Yes. And that happens when? All you got to do is read the screen. <laughs> right? So we have the, the rapture of the church takes place, seven years of horrible tribulation, then Jesus comes back. Second coming, Revelation 19, verses 1 to 10, uh, sets the stage. And in verse 11, Jesus mounts up on his white horse with his saints, comes back, and destroys every single person that's not right with God at that point. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a day of reckoning, and it's not going to be fun. Well, he says, my house, speaking of, how many, how many know that there's going to be a fourth temple? They say, wait a minute, there's not even but a third temple yet, right? Here's another passage that backs it up. The next temple, the, the third temple, is there a temple? And I always go through this because, and especially with the young folks here, they may or may not get this or know this. Some of them do, of course. How many temples have been in Jerusalem so far? Two of them. Is there a temple there now? No. Nope. Where is the temple now? We are. We are the, the church age, if you will. The Christians are the body of Christ or are the temple, 1 Corinthians 3.16. We are the temple of Christ, if you will. After the rapture of the church, where will the temple be? Jerusalem. 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 Daniel 9, 27, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, Revelation 11, 1 and 2, and we could keep going, right? Uh, it's got to be a third temple. Is that going to be a righteous Jewish temple during the tribulation? No. No. It will be built by Orthodox Jews who do not believe in Jesus. So there will be a seven-year tribulation temple. They will practice the Old Testament sacrifices. And then after that seven-year period, who's coming back? Jesus Christ. When he comes back, what happens to the third temple? Bye-bye. It gets destroyed because Ezekiel, and it's up on the screen for you, Ezekiel 40 to 46 gives you the measurements of the new 1,000-year millennial temple which, uh, according to Zechariah 6, will be built by the branch by Jesus Christ himself. So he's going to come back, do the Battle of Armageddon, wipe out all those who are opposed to him. He's going to march back to Jerusalem. He will build that fourth massive temple, and that will be there for the entire 1,000-year millennial kingdom. Oh, by the way, who will be sitting on the, uh, in the Holy of Holies at that point? Uh, Jesus himself. And uh, guess where I'm going to Sunday school after that? I'm sorry, I'm skipping your class. I'm going right straight to the I'll, temple. I'll be right now. behind you. All right, good to go. <laughs> All right, so that gives us a, a little bit of an understanding. And again, uh, Zechariah uh, twelve seventeen, the last line, the Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Will the Jewish people one day have peace? Will they one day have their entire landmass? Will they one day... Accept the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, absolutely, Amen. Praise the Lord. It's coming. You know, Siddiqui needs to read Zechariah. It would help. She would have it straight then. There you go. I would highly encourage that. <laughs> you send her a letter. Okay. All right. All right. Again, we're at Uni Grove Baptist Church. Uh, our contact information is there if you have questions or comments. Well. Ukraine has been in the, the center of the news. Yeah. Let's go and uh, talk a few minutes about an airlifting of Jews out of Ukraine. If you want to start us out. As threat of Russian invasion looms, top officials examine possibility 
of emergency evacuation for up to 75,000 Ukrainians thought to be eligible for Israeli citizenship under the law of return. That's it. That's so it. you're going to add live now. <laughs> Me? Yeah. All right, so here's the deal. There are, when, let's go back, let me take you back to 70 AD for a moment. That's a long way back. So we're going back about 2,000 years. And when the, or when the Romans came in and destroyed the second temple, what happened to all of the Jewish people living in Israel? What happened to them? They were dispersed. They were scattered. They ended up all over the known world. Many of the Jewish people at that time, if you will, is Russia that much of a far cry uh, uh, from where Israel is today? It's not, a, you know, considered going to Russia versus coming to the United States. A lot of them went up into the northern area, and they are known as, and here's a big word for you, Ashkenazi Jews. All right, They come out of Europe, in the Europe area, and also up into the Russian area and so forth. There's another group of Jewish people that went across the Mediterranean and a massive amount went over there and migrated to Spain. Um, I just had the word and now I lost it. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Sure. Sephardic Jews. <laughs> so the ones, the, the Jewish people that are known as Sephardic Jews migrated over, basically were the ones that ended up in Spain. Now, it's very interesting, and I should put some pictures up. So remind me to do that next time. Uh, when you look at the garb of the Orthodox Jewish people today, so if you're going to Israel, which we all need to do if they ever lift the restrictions, so you go to Israel and you go to the Orthodox communities, which, by the way, are not that big, and all of a sudden you'll see all these different fancy uh, outfits, if you will, different kind of hats. They, they've got... And I'm not kidding. They've got one group have these big, giant, like, mutton hats, except they're round and they're fur. You have other guys that wear basically the, the black top hat kind of thing. Uh, almost looks sort of like a modified cowboy hat. A lot of our Orthodox Jewish friends up in uh, uh, Milwaukee, specifically in the Sherman Park area, that's kind of their, their particular uh, garb that they wear. Always black uh, suit coat, white shirt no tie, um, always looking very nice. And, of course, the ladies always in dark colors, dresses uh, pretty close to the ankles, so very, very conservative looking. What's interesting here, though, and why I'm bringing that up is in 70 A.D. when uh, the Romans came in, they dispersed the Jewish people all over the known world. And they kept dispersing and dispersing and dispersing. I, we just talked about a, a Jewish community in, in Sherman Park of about uh, 200 Orthodox families. That's I'm actually very close to some of the folks that live up there. We've had some great conversations. I love them, and I tell them uh, about the Lord, and they tell me about uh, what they think is the Lord. But uh, I love them, and I care for them deeply. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. What's going to be taking place? Well, are there still massive amount of Jewish people that have not migrated back to Israel? Right, so let's just very quickly go through this. Again, it's a little redundant for some that keep that are here every week. If I asked you for a key passage about the Jewish people returning to Israel for 22 and a half points tonight, anybody know where to go? What book? Ezekiel. 
That gets 11 points. Now let's go for the other whatever I said. 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Yeah. Good math. What chapter do we go to in Ezekiel? Five. No? Uh, Ezekiel 5.5, five, you're talking about that uh, wow. Israel is the center of God's earth. We're going to Ezekiel 37, where God made it very clear that he's bringing back the Jewish people basically in unbelief, without breath, without life. Here's one that most of you should know if you've been coming more than a couple of weeks. How, what percentage of all the Jewish people around the world have returned to Israel since 1948? 50%. See, good to go. There are approximately 14.5 to 15 million Jewish people in the world today. That means approximately how many have returned to Israel? About 7 million and some change. For the first time in the history since the Jews actually were in Israel, that is the highest percentage of Jewish people in Israel for 2,000 plus years, maybe longer than that. All right, so what's the significance of that? Why are those 7 million Jewish people coming back to Israel? Because God's pulling them there. There's no other explanation. They're not going there because they're religious zealots. They're going there because they just, I got to go to Israel. And they're coming back from all over the world. That's why this is interesting because we have uh, uh, up to 75,000 Ukrainians were thought to be eligible for Israeli citizenship. Folks, you can't become a citizen in Israel unless you got Jewish blood. You can't. I find that incredibly interesting. 75,000 more Jews God's ready to pick up and take right back to Israel. And that, that's prophecy being fulfilled, folks. In our generation, in our day, amazing stuff. That's why we brought it up. So even though we're looking at a, a, a bad situation between America, Russia, and, uh, and certainly Ukraine, word of, by the way, and some may or may not know, is America for or against Ukraine? For. For, all right. I feel sorry for Ukraine. Anyway, um, <laughs> the president is sticking up for Ukraine, which is good, and I'm, I shouldn't be sarcastic on things like that. It's dead serious. How many? There's uh, 100,000 Russian troops sitting on the Ukraine border. Uh, multiple allies are saying, don't you dare try and cross the border. We've talked about in the past. A lot of posturing going on. But out of this, forget all of the war stuff. 75 Jewish people may be fulfilling Ezekiel 37 in short order simply because of man-made wars. Wow. Amazing. All right, let's go to our next one. Uh, very quick again. All right, uh, Russian flag in Ukraine, flags of Russia and the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic wave in the wind near a monument to Soviet state founder Vladimir Lenin in rebel-held city of Donetsk, Ukraine, uh, January 24th of 2022. Is that like kind of recent? Yeah, a little bit. What's a Russian flag doing flying in Ukraine? Why is Putin so mad at Ukraine? What's the issue? Anybody know? Hmm? Somebody said oil. Mm, not, not, maybe that's a tad of it, but it's not the real issue. The real issue is the factors left Russia and went to Ukraine. 
you don't mess with the boss of Russia and defect to another country and then basically be uh, an ally of that country. That's a problem for people that are dictators. That's the low-level but major issue that uh, Putin's facing right now. Don't you dare leave my country, defect somewhere else, and attempt to help them and be loyal to them. Dictators don't appreciate that. Oh, let's go to the tribulation scenario when the Antichrist is basically set up as the world ruler. Revelation 13, what happens to those who refuse to worship the Antichrist and, his, and the image of the beast? What happens to them? They will, I saw multiple people doing this, and they're exactly right. They'll be beheaded. They'll be killed. Dictators don't take well to people that don't follow them. All right, let's move on. Next one. Uh, here we go. This one... Uh, our, our high school young folks, I think they'll relate to this one and maybe one other story uh, quite a bit tonight. So, take it away, Josh, and we'll All do right. a, a little investigation here about Metaverse. Facebook parent company Meta announced that it has designed and partially built an artificial intelligence supercomputer that the company believes is among the fastest in the world and that will help construct the Metaverse. All right. Everything in orange. Okay. On Monday, Facebook parent company Meta announced that it has built this computer. Uh, skipping down here, uh, the supercomputer called AI Research Supercluster, or RSC, will be fully built by mid-2022, according to a Meta blog post written by Kevin Lee, a Meta technical program manager, and Shubho Sengupta, a software engineer for the company. They indicated that the AI supercomputer will be the world's fastest when it is completed. Uh, let's see. It describes the metaverse as a virtual reality world designed to replace the current internet. Keep one more page. Okay. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has said the metaverse, which uses virtual and augmented reality to combine attributes of the physical and digital worlds, will require immense computing power, according to The Guardian. Uh, the experiences we're building for the metaverse require enormous computing power, quintillions of operations How per quint quintillions. Catch that. Quintillions of operations in how long? Per second. Per second. Folks, we have a hard, I have a hard time remembering what I had for dinner last night. It's like, can you imagine a computer that can do this kind of calculating? It's absolutely astronomical. RSC will enable new AI models that can learn from trillions of examples, understand hundreds of languages, and more. Uh, we hope RSC will help us build an entirely new AI systems that can, for example, power real-time voice translations to large groups of people, each speaking a different language, so they can seamlessly collaborate on a research project or play an AR game together. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Revelation 13. Oh, shocking. Revelation 13, and uh, let's go to verse 11. Then I saw another beast. We're talking about the false prophet. Again, part of the satanic trinity. God the Father imitated by Satan. Jesus Christ being imitated by the beast or the antichrist. And then we have this third member of the satanic trinity who imitates, if you will, the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's job during the 
current church age? What's the Holy Spirit doing? Indwelling believers, convicting the world of sin. There we go. Convicting uh, uh, definitely indwells believers. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells right now. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19. We again are his temple. What does he do? Well, he goes around also. Before you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, what had to happen? Did somebody have to convict you? Did the Holy Spirit have to draw you? Absolutely. All right, so uh, uh, you hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit works on your heart. God uses the word of God to penetrate, if you will, and all of a sudden it clicks. Well, why does it click? Well, it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart and, and making you understand that you need to place your faith and trust in uh, Christ to uh, accept the free gift of eternal life. All right, so let's see what this false, if you will, Holy Spirit is doing. And we go to verse 11, Revelation 13. The Apostle John said, Then I saw another beast, in other words, the first beast, the Antichrist, the second beast is the false prophet coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. The one thing that kids remember when I do prophecy conferences in different places is this particular verse, because here's how I present it. Oh, we've got this cute little lammy, so cute, and we all want to hug the little lammy, and he's very endearing, and everybody loves a cute little lammy. I hate to say this because it makes me look kind of, I don't know, less than masculine, but don't ever say that to me. Anyway, so I've got a cute little doggie. It's about this big, right? Her name is Bella. It's actually my Bella me. And she's the cutest little thing on earth. Your dog is nowhere near as cute as mine. I don't even have a dog. Well, but it's nowhere near as cute as mine. Okay. And she's just the cutest little thing. So, and she's just like a little lammy. You just want to pick her up and even a big guy like me, I like to pick up my little doggie and give her a hug. Sorry, I have a soft spot. The bottom line, though, is she's cute as, as, as a little lammy. But this one says that it had two horns on its head, and it spoke like a dragon. That's what the kids remember. Ah. You say, well, what's the point? Who's the dragon? Satan. So this, uh, if you will, this cute little endearing charismatic leader, charismatic meaning people want to flock to him. He speaks with the authority of Satan, and he's got two horns, and don't mess with Texas. All right? So uh, here's what he says, verse 12, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast of the Antichrist in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast or the Antichrist. Here it is. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast or to the Antichrist who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, folks, we just read about this meta, meta, and it's interesting, I like the last word of the metaverse computer, a supercomputer that is absolutely off the charts powerful. What do you think it's going to take to get Revelation 13 fulfilled? Folks, it's going to take a computer on steroids to be able to do exactly what God says it's going to be able to do. It's an image. He makes it very clear. 
This is a false image. It's not a person who has unbelievable, almost if you want to say it in our vernacular, supernatural abilities to know who's doing what and when, and those who don't worship the image of the beast, what will they be? They'll be killed. How in the world does this image and those that are controlling it or however this is going to work, how is all that going to come to pass? Well, I don't want to be around to find out, and neither do you. And uh, that's why we've trusted Christ as our personal Savior. One of the reasons why, of course, we trusted him to, uh, because we love him and uh, uh, are thankful for eternal life. But we don't want to be down here when this takes place. It will be a, a horrible, horrible time. I always like to say this, and it's true. During the tri- if you don't get saved now, and if, the, and if uh, Jesus Christ comes back in our generation to take that one generation of fortunate believers home before death at the rapture, if you're remaining behind, and this is not, I'm not trying to promote the Left Behind series right now, I'm trying to promote Bible. The Bible makes it very clear that those who are left behind, this is the scenario that they're going to go through. Now, the good news is this. If they trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the Bible makes it very clear that they will be martyred. The people that will refuse to worship this false God, this false beast, if you will, are individuals who will come to Christ during that time. That's the good news. They'll be saved, but the bad news is they will suffer a martyr's death because, bam, you can't, uh, you can't live in that time now, there'll be some that'll go underground. We know that from Matthew chapter 25. Somehow they'll manage to survive the tribulation in an underground scenario. The Bible doesn't tell us how that works, but we know it's got to be true. Uh, and we'll go into that in another time uh, when we can talk about who gets in the millennium. Just read Matthew 25. It's in there. All right. So what's the point? The point is this. Boom. God is allowing the stage to be set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, and this is just another step of it. Folks, time is close. Jesus could be coming at any moment. All right, let's move on. I don't think we're going to make Malachi tonight, by the way. Uh, let's take a look at uh, just a little quick look at the stock market. Why don't you take it, Josh? So just the headline, uh, Billions Wiped Off Shares in Wild Day on Markets. All right. Well, I'll give you a little bit more than a headline. Uh, if you would be so kind, we got about a paragraph to read. Okay. close to the next page. In a roller coaster of a day on Wall Street, the S&P 500 fell by as much as 4% before ending with a slight gain. The NASDAQ fell by as much as 5%. Known as a correction, that pace and depth of drop are rare. The last one was at the start of COVID-19 in March of 2020 and has led analysts to predict pretty much every possible outcome from a full economic meltdown to this being a rallying point in a year of growth. European markets have shown positive signs this morning. But there is a perfect storm here, and it's no coincidence that it happened the day before the Federal Reserve begins its first policy meeting of the year today. There is high inflation, a lack of clarity on COVID recovery, pressure on tech regulation or the lack of it, rules around cryptocurrency discussed uh, below, and Chinese state intervention affecting global markets. Despite all that, analysts say the main cause was the risk of Russia-Ukraine tensions becoming a full-blown war. 
Regardless of a positive or negative outlook, most forecasters are agreed that more volatility is coming. All right, so why is this important to us? Again, you have three prophetic scenarios that are coming out of this particular thing. So number one, we're looking at cryptocurrency again. So when we're looking at the volatility with the dollar, and by the way, and, and again, uh, no plus or minus on the current administration. You make up your own mind about that. What happens when you keep giving out free money, printing trillions of dollars that America doesn't have and just keep printing more and more money? Is that a good thing? No, because what you're seeing as you go to the gas pumps, as you go to the stores, as you pay your, uh, uh, wait till you get your, and I'm not trying to upset anybody, I will though, unfortunately, wait till you get your uh, gas bill or your electric bill when it's five degrees out. Uh, we'll be having a lot more people that'll be needing the Deacon's Fund, quite frankly. Yeah. And I mean that in all seriousness, folks, it's, it's you're watching as the world is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. What happens when our dollar becomes worthless? I'm, I'm really praying, you know, get me out of here before that comes. That's, that's devastating. I, and I'll just give you my personal thing. This is not Bible. It's just a personal analysis. I've been waiting for the market to fall out for about 10 years now. And we've been watching it, and, and, and when the last president was in, was the best thing we've seen as far as the economy goes and uh, trying to slow down the national debt. But, folks, this country is going to go bankrupt. I'm just hoping it happens after the rapture happens. It's got to happen. There's no avoiding it. And, by the way, it's biblical. It's going to happen. Why? Because you have to have a one-world government that's put in place. I'm sorry if you won't sleep tonight, but let's just <laughs> pray and ask God to take us home before that happens. Chinese state intervention. The kings of the east. We've talked about that over and over again. Revelation chapter 16. China will be a major player during the tribulation time. I know, you know, I, and again, those of you that are new here, it was always during my young days, Russia, Russia, Russia's a problem, Russia's a problem. Then Russia basically uh, uh, dissolves for a short time, and now they're coming back like a uh, the Bible says they will in Ezekiel 38. Russia's should become a major power, and they are. China, though, has taken on a major, major role. That wasn't that way back uh, 30, 40 years ago. So fulfilling uh, uh, what's coming in Revelation 16. Russia-Ukraine tensions becoming a full-blown war. All right, we've already gone through that. So, folks, all these things, again, setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. All right, we've got about five minutes. I want to go to this next one because, folks, uh, this is disturbing. How many of you here have a smartphone? Almost everybody. Come on now, this section doesn't, you guys don't have smartphones, get real. <laughs> there you go, thank you. Uh, how, how many of you got, how many folks use a computer? Yeah, I mean, we all do, right? It's, I mean, yeah, computers, smartphones. How many of you use Google? How many of you don't use Google and don't realize that you are using it? <laughs> yeah. Let's see what we have about, and again, I, I fully, I can't say that. I have to figure out how to caveat myself as, as we do this story. All right, let's bite the bullet and go there. Take it. Google accused of constant surveillance, uh, deceptive methods to access data. 
All right, let's just read one little section that'll kind of close us out probably okay. tonight. Uh, attorney generals in four states file lawsuits accusing the company of deceiving users about how their location is tracked. Attorney General Carl Racine is suing Google over allegations that the company uses constant surveillance and deploys deceptive methods to gain access to users' location data. Attorney generals in Texas, Washington State, and Indiana also filed similar lawsuits. While users are made to believe that changing their settings can keep Google from accessing location data, the company can still access that information using other techniques, the suits allege. The lawsuit also accuses Google of using so-called dark patterns or strategic tricks that can subtly influence a user's decision to provide more information about their location data. The lawsuit comes after DC opened an initial investigation into Google's location tracking practices in 2018. At that time, Google was accused of storing users' data even when they have privacy settings turned on. The lawsuit seeks to stop Google from engaging in such unlawful practices. While it's not the first time the company has come under fire, Google representative Jose Castaneda told Newsweek that the attorney generals are bringing forward the case based on inaccurate claims and outdated assertions about our settings. Revelation chapter 13, verse 14, he, the Antichrist, the false prophet, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in the right hand or on their foreheads. No one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. What does that have to do with this? If you think for one minute that, that Big Brother, which is uh, very much in, in sync with Google and other major groups, doesn't know what you're doing, you are sadly mistaken. I have people constantly, not a lot, but there's people that believe, well, I don't carry a cell phone, therefore the government doesn't know who I am or where I am. I'm like, that is the most naive statement I've ever heard in my life. Big Brother does know who you are. Big Brother does know how to find you, and Big Brother does know what you make, and Big Brother does know what you have in the bank account, uh, even despite uh, some of the, the rhetoric that came out recently. Well, uh, 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 the government's only going to know if you have over $800 in the bank. Baloney. They know every dime you got right now. Uh, it, it, it's not that hard. People say, well, I, I stay off the grid. I, I don't use a, an Internet account. I don't, uh, or my own Internet account. I use someone else's, and I, I use cash all the time. I'm like, you have a job? Does your boss not uh, ask for your Social Security number? Folks, it, it's like... Here's, here's reality. You say, well, Brother Rich, how do you protect yourself from all of this? Folks, <laughs> let's get real. I've been in the public eye for 35 years. They know, they probably know when I get up and go to bed. I don't care. You say, why not? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Folks, if the government wants to take me or anybody else out, they're going to do it. That's just the way it is. If they want to know how much money I got in the bank tomorrow, they already know. I mean, it, everything is known. So here you say, well, why are you saying that? Well, here's the reason, because we get spooked by this kind of thing. We really do. It's like, ah, oh, what are we going to do? Google knows. Well, first of all, don't put Alexa in your bedroom or in your car 
or in, your, or in your house because it's there. How many times have you searched for something and the next minute all of a sudden an ad shows up for the product you were looking for? Or just talked about it. And it or just up. talked about it. Yeah. I'm in my car. I'm not hooked up to anything, but I've got a 2019 Suburban. I don't pay to have any of the electronics on. And all of a sudden, Valerie and I will be talking, and the thing will ask me a question about what we've been talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, you say, well, what's your point? The point is this. If you're walking with God, if you're doing right, and Mr. Google or Mrs. Google invades your privacy, which they are and will, good for them. You say, why do you say good for them? Well, because if everything we do is centered around this, what do you got to lose? Amen. Folks, what's going to happen after we leave? <laughs> after the church? What do you say? He said all hell's going to break loose. Um, in reality, short of that being the absolute case, that is literally true. It will be the worst time on this earth after we're gone than's ever existed. So, folks... I don't really care who knows my phone number. I don't really care who knows my address. Some of you are absolutely astounded by that. Why? Right here. You see, if we believe that God is sovereign, if we believe that God's watching over us, if we believe that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, if we believe that what we're doing is what God wants us to do, then there's nothing to fear. So take that home. If you disagree with me, that's fine. I, I don't have any problems. Some will vehemently disagree with me. But, folks, we can't deny the obvious. They already know. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the dear folks that came out tonight. Horribly cold out. And, uh, Lord, I want to thank you for preserving Alex Johnson's life, Lord. So I thank you so much that uh, he appears to be on the mend. Now, would you heal him quickly and uh, just help us to love on him and Cassidy and Tucker and the rest of the family? Uh, that's just been going through tough, tough times. Pray for Courtney and Emily and their families and uh, just bless them at Gilmore. Others that are not part of this church body but just found out more folks that I know and care about and love have passed away this week. Lord, it's, it's been tough and it's been hard. Father, we thank you that uh, when we die as your children, absent from the body and present with the Lord, Father, we look forward to that day when Jesus will come and take us home. I pray, Father, that you'll find us faithful even during these troublesome times. And, Father, help us to not worry, help us not to be troubled, but help us to place our faith and trust in you and walk with God and to be a blessing with others. Now, Father, dismiss us with your blessing, please. Watch over us as we uh, travel. Keep us safe, please. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Go home, get your kitties, and have a great night. <laughs>